0: Hi, I'm Mike Maloney, and welcome to another CSRM podcast. Today's episode is hosted by Dr. Greg Linville.
1: welcome to another CSRM podcast as we are continuing to dissect uh, one of our great resources. It's it's a book called Putting the Church Back in the Game, and uh, we're joined again by Dr. Greg Linville, uh, who's kind of led us through uh, the the very beginning of this book, what it's all about, why we should have a theology of what the local church and the capital C church is all about. We're going to dive into that here uh, soon. But Greg, um, for the sake of time, why is this something that we should be talking about? And, and I think a, a, a better question is, is there any sort of effectiveness when it comes to sports outreach and tying it into the local church? So let's, let's just dive right in right there, because if it's not effective, well, then let's just let's cancel this whole conversation here. Why is this effective? Is it effective? And why does that matter?
2: Yeah. And you've got the right word. Uh, the bottom line is effectiveness and we have all come into this, this meaning sports rec and fitness outreach, because we already know that it's strategic and relevant. Strategic is anything that's going to connect you with people who are far from Jesus relevant. We know that in the state of Indiana and in the United States basketball or Kentucky basketball and where I live, Dan, where you grew up, the hall of fame of football. So you got to have football. And if, but yet if you're in New Zealand, you better be doing rugby for crying out loud or South Africa. And you better be doing cricket. If you're in a place like India or Pakistan, anyway, strategic and relevant, but efficiency, then how can we be the most efficient with the resources and the the giftedness within our people in our congregations and ultimately it's got to be effective. Let me let me share this story with you that I think helps a little bit for us to understand this. I was asked to interview to become the executive director of a national sports related para ministry and I I I the purpose here is not to embarrass anybody but cuz these were good hearted people and There was a half a dozen people that were part of the interview committee, and they had about 120, 125 years of street credibility. They had been doing this for for 120 years collectively and spend it in that time spending hundreds of millions of what would be equivalent to dollars. Anyway, three-part interview, first part. Second part, they asked me a bunch of questions. Third part, I'm asking them questions. And towards the middle or the end of that third part, I said, Why are you interested in me? Because your focus is on elite athletes and coaches. And mine has been basically church, local church. And they said, Do you remember the question you asked us earlier today? And that question had to be, when you ask us how many people collectively have the six of you seen become fully dedicated disciples of Jesus that would include a biblical lifestyle and intimately participating in a local congregation? And they said, Do you remember the the pin, the proverbial pin that dropped, and you heard it? And then you came back and said, Okay, don't give me names. You don't want to be name droppers. Just give me a number. And they couldn't. And they said, We're coming to you because you know how to do this. Because at that particular time, at the church I was serving, we had many, many either current or, or, or former professional athletes and Olympic athletes and uh, scores of college athletes. And they said, you're you're doing what we want to do and i think that that is kind of the answer dan to your initial question is, is it, it's about effectiveness and many of what we have seen happen is just not effective we get people as we said earlier to count a uh, uh a confession of faith or or count a convert yeah raise your hand today but there's no long-term dedicated disciples that's why having a theology of the church is so so important and what ended up happening with that group was they realized that they had spent over a century and unbelievable amounts of money and the only people that they could really count as to fulfill that, at least the first part, living a biblical lifestyle, was people that had come on their staff. And they realized that part of what happened when they came on their staff was that they were discipled in the word. That's what the local church is supposed to be doing. That's why I think this is really important.
1: Yeah, like, like anything uh, we need to measure, is this something that is successful? And if it's not, then we need to maybe reevaluate and uh, think it through. And, and Greg, what, what I like about that is um, you mentioned the word relevant. So sports rec and fitness is extremely relevant. And when we begin to have a good, solid theology as to why the local church matters, why the capital C church matters, and we, we think about our congregations, and we think about there's people who are seated within our pews or chairs or whatever you may have within your, your local church context who uh, are there every week. And um, if you have ever had, you know, the awesome opportunity to, to preach, sometimes, you know, if you're connecting with some, someone, sometimes, you know, I'm absolutely falling flat here. We're not connecting. They may, may, may be even falling asleep right in front of you. But <laughs> if, if you equip people not with of, your preaching, Dan, yeah, but maybe well, some others. Sometimes uh, I can look out and I can find those sleepers, but um, sometimes if, if you're talking about something that is relevant because there's a former athlete there or there's somebody who, who loves to coach and they're, they're not yet involved within your local church, they're not yet being discipled, but they hear about, hey, there's a small group who they're going to play basketball together and they're going to study the book of Mark together. What a great opportunity to, to be relevant to people who are, are not yet connected with your church. That's right. And so we can be effective when we include this within our local church context, if we can just get outside of the um, typical mentality that, okay, we, uh, we have a worship service and we do a vacation Bible school and then our youth go here and our children go here. Well, if we include sports rec and fitness, it may open a door to make dedicated disciples in ways that we never have as a church so we can be more effective when we take the concepts of what a lot of these parachurch organizations were doing bring it to the local church or partner with them to make sure that we're making dedicated disciples it could open doors that could just be uh, life-changing for a, a whole lot of people and include people right now who are not being included not being used in a lot of our, lo- our local church context. um Greg, I appreciate you sharing that that story there. So we've kind of hinted around this next uh, point I want to focus on. Uh, Greg, if if, if you could uh, take us now into the academic classroom um, (laughs) as we kind of look into chapter four. Um, In our English language, we know what church means for the most part, um, but there's really one word for that, church. Uh, kind of break down from a biblical standpoint, what church means, the different words for it, why there's something that we should study, why they, they matter. What is the church according to the biblical worldview?
2: Yeah, when you use the word academic and my name simultaneously there, uh, my high school teachers are choking. Uh, I graduated, luckily, with a two-point from my high school. And I only uh, did that because that's what I had to have to play sports. You'll have to take that by faith. I was a three-sport letterman in high school. But, um, yeah, so the academic can choke a lot of people, but particularly those teachers that I've had. But I do think that what what we have in front of us in Chapter 4 of this book really is helpful because it defines church from six words, and they all come from the Greek. Uh, the Greek words. And we'll, we'll just focus on a couple of them because we don't want people not to buy this book. but, but a couple of these uh, words, the Curriacuss, the, the and, and it's used a couple times in, in the Bible and it, it talks about something that the Lord owns or has, it belongs to. So this would be the Lord's day, the Lord's Supper, uh, you get you get to sense that there's something that is very intimate with the Lord. It's actually where our the etymology, meaning the the root of our word church comes from. Um, it's maybe even seen more in in the Dutch language, kirke, um, and and the kirk of, of Scotland, and and so it, it really describes something that is the Lord's. But some of the other words that are there that i think are really helpful for us would be words like the the soma christos meaning the body of christ and 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 that this is all of us together and some of us are a hand some of us are a foot the bible tells us a lot about those kinds of things it's also called uh, the bride of christ and that it's this is more to your point earlier eschatologically that we're going to be the bride of christ for all of eternity Um, But there's also koinonia, and it it means that we're a body, we're a fellowship, we're a community. And and so some of these words uh, help us understand what the biblical perspective of it is. And these words then, we, we need to go to the next level, do we not? We need to think about, okay, so these words are there, level one theological truths where do we go with it what's our theology then and that's where some of the creeds come in and think about the universal and local church obviously the big c and the small c the the militant and and uh, help me dan i've just lost it and the the church that's in heaven and uh, that's not the right terminology for it, but that the militant means I'm still fighting this battle on earth. It's not that I'm out there killing people, but I'm, I'm alive on earth and I'm militant and and that I'm trying to pursue that. But I, I'm also part of the universal church that forever and, and the, the church that is in heaven. I can't think of what that's called. Um, the visible and invisible church we believe that there are people that may be part of the visible church they're a member of a congregation but they're not part of the invisible jesus is not their lord and savior and that's not the same and holy and catholic meaning holy meaning we're other we're we're called out we're 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 not what the world is but that we're something special and catholic in the sense not of the catholic tradition but catholic in that it's universal and so some of our theologies that come to us in the creeds that you can read about in the in the fourth chapter really help us understand who we are and what we're supposed to be doing so there's not only a who are we but there's also a functionality for all of us in these things um triumphant and militant triumphant that's that's the word i was trying to grab hold of the triumphant is in heaven but one of the ones that i, I want to highlight again we talked about i think the last time we were together was this organic and or, organ organism to organization hmm. and too often we see the church as being this organized behemoth for crying out loud our our brothers and sisters in the Southern Baptist tradition, the last I knew, I think they had six or seven full city blocks of their national headquarters. And they had thousands and thousands of national staff people there. They have their own zip code. They mail more pieces of stuff out in the mail than anything outside of the American government. That's huge. And by the way, our Southern Baptist brothers and sisters have been leading the sports and rec ministry in a local church for decades. So we have this behemoth. And sometimes people can get lost in that shuffle. And we need to never forget the organic beginning and help people become part of that organic beginning in faith in Christ and then step-by-step move them into the organization of the church. I don't know. Where do you want to go with this? I guess, you know, just kind of hitting on your last point about the organic and kind of like the more of the behemoth of what the church is, it's so easy to start from the organic part, which I think we've kind of seen within Acts. And so many times as a pastor, we go back to how do we get back to that organic part where the holy spirit's moving it's empowering people you know more added to their numbers daily of being saved not more who are adding to our numbers to build our church super big into mega churches but being saved um how do we in a way get back to that or tap into that source that really is the relevant question isn't it it is (laughs) <clears throat> Excuse me, um, I, I. that is what this book is about, and that's what the next couple books are about, to help people grab hold of that. And some of it even comes out in this chapter, Scott, where the the relevance of Peter's theology of the church, understanding, we have to have a couple of understandings, and the book outlines seven of them, if I can remember them. The first one is who they were before they came to faith. Not a people. He says they're not a people. Peter is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, you were not a people. And then the second understanding is who they are in need of. They're in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. And then the third understanding is now that they have that relationship with Jesus, the understanding that they are now a chosen race a holy nation and holy doesn't mean that i'm a goody two shoes or that i'm better than anybody else it's just that i'm now different because jesus is in my life and that leads to the fourth understanding who have they joined that are similar to them a spiritual house they are individual living stones peter writes mm. They are individual living stones in a living house. It's not a house of brick and mortar. It's a house made up of individuals. And so I I think I'm answering the question, Scott, in the sense that how do we do this? We help them understand who they were not, who they became, who they joined. And then that together they are a royal priesthood. That's that's the fifth understanding, that, the, that they're a royal priesthood, meaning that they are royal because they're children now collectively of the, of the Lord of the universe, and they are a priesthood, meaning that we are to serve. We're not joining the church to be served, but we're joining the church to serve others. And then understanding, the sixth understanding is what that means specifically that we're to serve the Lord and others. So we become a royal priesthood so that we can serve the Lord and others. And then finally, understanding that we're to live in a holy way, a biblical lifestyle. And so in summary, what, the biblical, what we find from the writings of Peter is that we are to be a living community, not a dead community. We're alive, it's vivacious, something's happening. And that, and through that, we become a witnessing community. Through our very living out of this, we become a witness. And so, Scott, I think what we're trying to do is help people understand the movement that Dan was talking about, that you're moving forward in this relationship. And might I just add this as a side note, that while this chapter in this book is Boring down on a particular passage in the Bible that helps understand help us understand the church. It may not be totally comprehensive, but it's certainly representative. And we try to do that in every one of these books. We try to find a passage. One of the other ones is Colossians, etc. And we try to bore down so that our what we're doing is we're empowering our local church sports rec and fitness minister to be biblically bound biblically founded, biblically uh, sound, and all of these things, so that all of a sudden, you know what? Their senior pastor and their elders are saying, these guys do a whole lot more than pray and play. They get this. They understand this, and it also helps the sports minister to be more effective. Oh my, if you're effective, guess what? You keep your job. (laughs) There are reasons why that we do this. So Scott, did I answer the question or you want to go someplace else with that? No, that, that was great. Thank you.
1: I, I absolutely love, and we are running short on time here, but I, I love that um, this chapter in particular, and really the whole book helps the local church sports and rec and fitness minister to, really to define their theology about church. And so when we go to the Bible and we see these different words, I think it does two different things. When I think about koinonia, this concept of community um, with people, so often in our churches, we we have Christian platitudes, like we want to get people out of rows and into circles. Well, naturally that happens in a huddle, right? And we we can be the church, we can disciple one another through sports rec and fitness in ways that we can't in more traditional, so to speak, uh, programs and things where we've kind of hit some ceilings and it's so this this can be a such a, a super effective ministry especially when we just kind of peel it back and we think about what the church is it's the people right in front of us and secondly I think a lot of churches um, especially if you're in church leadership we, we all get frustrated because people are so passive in our western world yeah. in in particular they come to church, they sit, they stand, they sit, they pray, they watch, they listen. They may be singing if they feel up to it, uh, maybe they'll celebrate communion if that's a part of what happens within your local church context. Maybe they'll think about the meaning of communion during that time. Um, but it, it really is very passive. We almost, in a sense, train people in our local congregations to watch the paid professional, the person yeah. who can sing yes. well the person who has the giftedness to uh, speak publicly and preach. Um, I don't know if that's anyone's heart, but it does happen. Whereas if we take the theology of what church is, well, I'm supposed to, as a church leader, equip others who have been called into this royal priesthood exactly. and equip others to understand I'm, I'm part of the called out ones. I'm supposed to be sent out on this great commission, which means others are involved with it not just the priest, not just the pastor, not just the minister. Um, When I develop my theology, it changes the way that our local churches operate. It also changes the way that I run a sports program, a fitness class, a sports camp and things like that, because it's more inclusive. And it's not just passive. We're training people to live out this great commission to make more disciples because I recognize it's not just me. Right. So I... I love this chapter, Greg, because I think it helps us to form that foundation into, once again, recognizing what the church should be. Um, And it takes a lot of pressure off of us, and it makes it more of a sense of teamwork. And honestly, it makes it more exciting to be a part of something that's a a movement of people altogether. Greg, your, your final thoughts as we wrap up here and as we prepare to talk about in next week's session chapter 5
2: well in the next section we're going to build on this biblical foundation and we're going to talk more specifically about the the purpose and the function of the church but i last thing to wrap up this one is that what we find from this living stones in a living building concept is we need to change not only our terminology, but our thinking and what our, what our terminology absolutely, actually means. We do not go to church. We are the church. And the church is not a brick and mortar. It's, it's a flesh and blood. And I realize that I'm maybe a little biased on this with a lot of my Quaker background, but we never called the places that we met we never called them the church they were always the meeting house the meeting place and that we were called a weekly meeting of the church and we were called then a monthly meeting where a a few different weekly meetings got together and then a yearly meeting where all the monthly meetings got together um and i think there's something to that i'm not trying to convert everybody to quakerism but but I think that once we start to say we're no longer a building, but we're a, we, have a, we have a ministry site that has facilities that facilitate ministry, that's really what we want to say when we think about what is the church. The church is us. That's what I'd wrap up with, Dan.
1: That's a great challenge, and um, I I would just encourage everyone listening to this podcast, if we could uh, make that a part of our common language with our churches, uh, talk about the church building, the church facilities, um, and make that something separate from the people. And um, Greg, I I absolutely love what you shared, and I think about the militant and the triumphant. Um, I think about as we drill down as to why the church matters now as we form our theology, We know that one day, as people who are part of the Capital C Church, as believers in Christ, we will be triumphant. We'll be in heaven together, and we'll recognize that there are people that are wearing white, and they have a palm branch in their hand, as we uh, read in the book of Revelation, because they are triumphant because of what Christ has done. And we'll look out, and we'll recognize it was through our efforts at the local church level, through our sports programs, through our recreation classes and fitness classes and things like that, where we... We poured into people because we had a good theology as to what the church is and what the church should be doing. And we're going to look out and we're going to see there are people who were saved and came to Christ and grew as a disciple because the local church got it right. That's right. There's nothing more important, nothing more exciting than that. Unfortunately, we're out of time for this session. Uh, We encourage you to check out this book. Go to our website, csrm.org. And again, we're talking about putting the church back in the game, a very important resource that we have for you. And so for the local church uh, sports and recreation and fitness minister, purchase this book, study it, be a part of a roundtable. If you have one in your area, uh, as we kind of dissect this book together, we're looking forward to joining you next time as we continue our conversation through this podcast. Thanks for taking some time out and joining us here today. We'll, We'll catch you next time. Take care.
0: The CSRM Podcast is a production of CSRM and their production house, Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Rick Lindell is the executive producer, and Scott Stedman is the associate producer and editor. To learn more about CSRM, visit CSRM.org. For more information about Overwhelming Victory, visit overwhelmingvictory.org. The CSRM Podcast is the flagship member of the Podcast Network Overwhelming Victory Radio. For more information on Overwhelming Victory Radio, or to listen to our partner podcasts, visit overwhelmingvictory.org backslash ov radio. For CSRM Podcasts, I'm Mike Maloney. Have a